It's been a blessing being here, a tremendous privilege, and once again I bring you greetings in the name of my family as well. It was a privilege being here this Lord's Day with you all. And I invite you now to turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke. We'll read the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Luke 14, we'll read from verses 15 through 24. Luke 14, 15 through 24. When one of those who reclined at the table with him, that is Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This far the reading of God's word. Let us pray once again and ask for his blessings. O Lord, our God and heavenly King, we come before you, Lord, this evening to hear from your word, and we ask, Lord, that by the help of the Holy Spirit, you may compel sinners to come in, to come before Thee, Lord. And, O oh, Lord, speak to us in a profound way, speak to us in a, and call us inwardly in a way that we cannot resist, and we simply must come, come to Jesus, come to the Master of the house, as He commands us to come. So, O oh, Lord... Bring in all those who come to Thee. Receive at, at Your house, Lord, all those who come to, to, to Thee, Lord. And we pray all these in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we meditated on Christ's kingship, on His kingship, as, His place as King and Lord. And tonight, we are going to see about the invitation to His kingdom about how Jesus, the master himself, the king of the house, invites all those who are here to come. One thing that I like a lot in, in America are the holidays. I really appreciate all the holidays, the seasons, especially 
because it's usually followed by a nice meal, a nice meal with family and friends, and either Thanksgiving, Christmas, or a party, a graduation party, a birthday of someone, anniversary. It's always followed by a wonderful meal. And usually, all, all these nice meals start with a simple invitation, an invitation that comes for all those who hear their family, friends, to attend this invitation. And in, the, in this message, in this parable, Jesus is telling us about an invitation, the most important invitation of all, the invitation of the gospel. And we will look at this text under three headings, which are the three different audiences to which the master is speaking. We'll see first the old guests, the old guests, and then we'll see the new guests, and thirdly, we'll see the servant who brings the invitation. We'll see how the gospel invitation comes to all men, and our response now is crucial. In this passage, Jesus himself was invited to a feast, and he is seated with the Pharisees, eating with them at, the, at a table, and as he is with them, he starts rebuking them. Jesus starts rebuking the Pharisees, one thing after the other, how they were being a bad leadership for the people. First, he mentions about the Sabbath healing in verses 1 to 6. Then he tells a parable about taking the lowest seat in verses 7 to 14. So, have this picture in mind. Jesus is inside with the Pharisees, sitting at the table with them, and he's rebuking them pointing how they were being a bad leadership for the people, accusing them of being a bad leadership. And as the banquet was going from bad to worse, we could say, someone, almost as an attempt to change the topic of the conversation, says in verse 15, Blessed is everyone who eat bread in the kingdom of God. You see, the affirmation itself was not wrong. What he's saying is right. What this Pharisee said is right. Blessed is everyone who eat bread in the kingdom of God. But what Jesus is going to provoke, what Jesus is going to try to, to correct is the intention in his heart. Jesus is going to probe his heart to ask a far more important question. He's going to ask, have you yourself accepted the invitation for the king's feast? Have you yourself, who is saying this, accept the invitation of the gospel feast? And this brings us to our first point, the old guests of the banquet. In verses 16, Jesus starts telling this parable about a great man. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Jesus is telling this story about this Lord, this master who made this huge banquet, who prepared all things and invited so many people for his feast. At that time, it was common to have two invitations. A first invitation would be sent, and all those who desired to come would reply yes, kind of a, an RSVP. And once the the food was ready. Once the food was at the table, a second invitation would be sent directly by a servant telling, it's time to come. The food is ready. It's at the table and it's time to come. So what Jesus is telling here is that 
it's, it's the very moment of the second invitation. The servant goes out to call people, telling, everything is ready. Come. It's time to come. But this banquet was not any kind of banquet. This was not just, just a nice meal. No, Jesus is telling a parable to tell them about the most important banquet of all, the banquet of the gospel. Jesus uses this illustration to reveal the reality of the gospel supper. This is a very similar picture with Jesus, which Jesus tells in Matthew 22 about this king who made, who made a great feast for his son's wedding. And at the end of Matthew 22, Jesus reveals who those who stayed outside, those who missed the invitation, those who didn't come in, were cast into the outer darkness, where she'll be gnashing our teeth. You see, this is not any meal. This is not a regular banquet. This is the most important banquet. Jesus is telling them about the heavenly banquet which shall happen in, in the heavens. He's telling them, this is the time in which the invitation has been sent to you. Don't miss this call. And what were their responses? We read in verses 18 to 20. And first we notice that it says, they all alike, they all at once began to make excuses. So Jesus is already telling us, even before giving the reasons, that what is going to follow is nothing but excuses. Though they are going to sound legit in themselves, though they are going to sound right, they are nothing but excuses to miss this invitation of the celestial banquet. The first man said, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Well, certainly this man did not buy a field without going first to see the quality of the field, the size of the field. But for him, his possessions were more important than attending to the banquet. The second one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. It is also certain that he did not buy five yoke of oxen without knowing their quality first, without knowing that he needed them. But for him, his plans were more important than attending to the feast. See, both of these men had signs of wealth and, and possessions, abundance, buying a field and buy, buying five yoke of oxen. That is a sign of, of wealth and abundance. And the third man, the third man was more creative than the rest. He was more inventive than the rest. He said, I have married a wife. Well, he was here evoking the Old Testament law who would free a newly married man from going to war. So he was so certain that what he was saying was right. After all, he was using the Old Testament law that he didn't say like the rest, have me excused. But instead, he simply said, I cannot come. But it's, it's hard to see how being married would free someone from attending a feast, from attending a banquet, from attending a nice meal. On the contrary, I can, I can guarantee you that your wife would appreciate a night off. And she would enjoy that. But for him, his, his affections, his relationship was more important than attending to the celestial banquet. And all of these gave just miserable excuses 
especially in light of the glorious banquet that was prepared for them. They gave miserable excuses and missed the chance of attending to the banquet. All these things are right in themselves. They are legit in themselves. But before the most important thing, the gospel, they were just excuses. All of them fell into the trap of thinking that there could be something more important than attending to the call of the gospel. And the image of exchanging eternal blessings for earthly rubbish is the same as appears in the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, the famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress. When Christiana, so that is the book two, visits the house of the interpreter, it says, he brought them into a room where there was a man who couldn't look any way but down. And in his hand, he held a muckrake. And one stood above the man's head holding a celestial crown. And he offered him that crown for his muckrake. But the man didn't look up or regard the one holding the crown in any way. Instead, he only raked bits of straw, small sticks, and dust from the floor. It is to show that heaven is nothing but a fable to some people, and that the things here in this world are, all, are the only things considered important to them. You see, these men in this parable, these men that Jesus told in the parable were doing the same thing. A crown was being offered to them. A crown was being offered above their heads, and they preferred to pick up small sticks and dust from the floor. Instead of looking up, looking up to the master who was before them. You see the irony? Jesus was inside the banquet. Jesus was sitting right across the Pharisees, sitting with them at the table. And yet, the Pharisees were not seeing him as Lord and master. He was right there with them. And yet, they did not profess Jesus as their Lord and King and what have we been doing? What have been our excuse? What is our modern excuse to not come to Him, to not come to Jesus, to not attend to His call, to not trust and obey, as we just sang? What is our modern excuse? Perhaps the weather or a headache, a football game, work, Whatever that is, it's nothing but lame excuses, but miserable excuses compared to the glorious banquet that is prepared by the Master. See, these things can be right in themselves, but compared to the glory of what the Master has prepared, it's just bits of straw and dust from the floor. It's rubbish, rubbish compared to the glorious banquet. And the reason why this is so foolishness, this is so desperately foolishness, is showing verse 24. Verse 24, because none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The celebration comes regardless of the invitee's response. There is no delay. The banquet is not postponed. No, the feast comes. The banquet is ready and is coming. The king is not going to postpone the feast. No. It is coming. There is no delay, regardless of the invitee's response. And those men who ask to be 
excused, found no tomorrow for them. They found no second chance. They found no other opportunity to attend that meal. And it is ironic or very interesting how in the Gospel of Luke, this is the last time that Jesus dines with the Pharisees. This is the last time in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus sits with the Pharisees to eat. You see how Jesus here, through this parable, he was giving a sentence to them. He was pointing to them and saying, you have neglected me for the last time. You have missed the eternal things that I have been offering to you. You, have, you are sitting with me right across Jesus at the table, looking at his eyes, and he's still missing, missing the most important thing of all, not recognizing him, not professing him as Lord and Savior. So he was sentencing them as well. And he is also identifying himself as the master of the banquet. Notice how he says, I tell you that none of those men which were invited shall taste of my banquet. My banquet. Jesus is pointing out that he is the master of the house. He is the master who prepared all things. He is the king. He's telling the Pharisees, you have not recognized me as king. And because of this, you miss the eternal banquet. How ironic that being, that sitting with Jesus at the table and still missing the eternal things is still being cast out. Oh, what a terrible disgrace it would be to come on that last day, to come on that last day and have the eyes of the Lord upon you even though we have been at church Sunday after Sunday, even though you have been at church, attending church, just like the Pharisees, attending at church and doing all the ceremonial stuff, the outward stuff, and it's still to have the eyes of the Lord upon you and hear these words, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. Can you imagine what Jesus is showing here is that Christianity is not just about outward looking. It's not just about outward religion. It's about where have our eyes been fixed? Have we professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? That is the only thing that matters. He's going after the heart of those who are sitting with Him. Pointing that all the outward religion that the, those Pharisees were keeping, it's not enough if they don't profess Jesus as their master and savior. But thankfully, there is a new list of invitation. The, the parable doesn't end here, and there is a new list of invitation, a new list of guests for the, to partake of the gospel supper. The new guests, verse 21 we see that the reaction of the master is being angry. And this fits his revolt against those who neglected him. But then the banquet is not postponed. Instead, Jesus gets a new audience. Verse 21. Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. If we go back a little bit in verse 13 we see that this is the same list of common and needy people that Jesus told the Pharisees that they should have invited 
Judean banquet. Jesus is, is pointing out that those who you neglected, Pharisees, because you have been a bad leadership, those who you have neglected, I am now invited to my banquet. I am now calling them to come to my house and to eat from my feast. And Jesus already told this in the, at the beginning of his ministry. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to those, to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, and to set liberty those who are, who are oppressed. That he would bring in those who are captive, those who are outcasts, those who are afflicted and abandoned, those who the, who the Pharisees and the religious people at that time had neglected. It is for those who Jesus came, who he's, he already told at the beginning of his ministry that he came for them. And what happened in Luke chapter 4? What happened after Jesus told these things? All they rejected him. Moreover, they, they even cast him out of the city. They expel him from, from the city. But still, here we have Jesus showing that he was going to fulfill this. That he came to heal the brokenhearted, to give sight to the blind. He came for those who are afflicted, for those who are outcasts of society. He came for those people to reach them and to bring them to his house. And this is amazing news for us today. This is wonderful news because it is through this that we are brought in. You see, the Gentiles were not children of Abraham. They were not children of Abraham at first, but it is because of the rejection of the Jews that then the gospel is spread to the Gentiles and through all nations and comes to us today. It is because of this reality that the message comes to all that here, even us nowadays, the banquet comes and the invitation is sent to those who are blind, to those who are lame. But this is not some uh, physical condition, but it's a spiritual reality. It's not, Jesus is not speaking merely about being poor and being blind or being lame in the body, but in the soul. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon describes this way. There was a time when you thought you could work out your own salvation without God's help. When you could perform good works, attend to ceremonies, and get to heaven by yourselves. But now you're crippled. The sword of the Lord has cut off your hands, and now you can work no longer. You say with bitter sorrow, the best performance of my hands dares not appear before thy throne. But you are crippled in the feet as well as in the hands. You feel that you cannot believe, that you cannot repent, that you cannot obey the stipulations of the gospel. You feel that you are utterly undone, powerless in every respect to do anything that can be pleasing to God. You see, it is in this state of spiritual lameness, spiritual blindness, spiritual death, 
that the gospel comes, that the light of the gospel is brighter, that the light is brought to us. It is in this state when we could do nothing, nothing in our hands we could bring except to His cross to cling. And if the text is stopping here, we could be thinking that indeed the gospel call comes regardless of our condition, regardless of our condition. But what we have next, the text goes even further. Rather, the master sent his servant even further away. Notice that in verse 21 says, to go into the streets and lanes. And then in verse 23, the master sent his servant to go out into the highways and hedges. You see, this, the master is sending the servant even further away to more remote places, harder places to reach, to go out everywhere and anywhere. And if the same, if the first time he gave a specific type of people, poor, blind, the second time he just says, go out and compel all people to come in. Everyone, the gospel is being sent to everyone and anyone to come in into his house. There is an expansion to, of the invitation to a much broader audience and even to us today. It is through this that the gospel message comes to those who were not at first children of Abraham, those who were not Jew, Jews at first, but now the gospel comes to us, calling all men to come to Him. See, this is an invitation to you as well, dear friend. You could be thinking that maybe you are unworthy of coming to Him, unworthy of appearing before this glorious King, that he, you could never, never appear before a holy, holy, holy King who is also a judge. Maybe you could be thinking that you are just too guilty of coming to this glorious banquet. How could you? But you see, even that is no, no excuse even that is no excuse for not attempting to the gospel banquet. See, the sicker you are, the more you need a doctor. Isn't that right? Or the hungrier you are, the more you need food. Well, the more sinner, the more sinful you recognize you are, the more you need a Savior. So this should not keep us away from Christ. On the contrary, this should bring us closer to Him, desiring more and more of Him, clinging to His cross, showing how dependent we are upon Him, not keeping us away from Him. We must understand that there is no hope by staying outside, by staying outside and missing the invitation. And there is no condemnation for those who come to Him and come for his banquet. We must understand that the kingdom will come, that the feast is ready, and there is no delay. There is no delay. The king is coming. Those who ask to be excused found no tomorrow for them, and that could be true for you as well. The author to the Hebrews says, Today, if you hear his voice, 
Harden not your hearts. See, the invitation comes to you today, today. If you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. We simply do not know what tomorrow holds. We do not know when will be the last time when we will hear His call. So today, today, if you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Furthermore, come also because it is a command. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Master is commanding, commanding us to come. Come, come to me. He's not asking. He's not just asking if you will, please come. No, He's commanding, come, come to me. So hear His voice, hear the voice of the King, and come to the Master. Remember how, that those who stayed outside, it's because they neglected the invitation. They chose to mock the King and neglect all that He has prepared for them. Come and let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. As the book of Revelation tells us, that is what the church should do, to make herself ready until the day we will meet the king, until the day that the bride will meet his king on the heavenly city, on the heavenly banquet. What a beautiful news for us that he is the one who makes everything. He is the one who makes everything. Notice, he is the master of the house. He is the one who issues the invitation. He is the host who prepares all things. He is the bread and the wine. He is all things. All things are from Him and through Him and for Him, as Colossians 1 tells us. There is nothing we could offer. The reality is that by being poor, blind, lame, there was nothing we could offer. There is nothing we could possibly offer in exchange to participate of that banquet. But even so, He calls us to come. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling, as the old hymn says. That is the reality of coming to this banquet. And now I would like to consider those who the Lord uses to bring the invitation, the compelling servant, so I'd like to speak directly to you as a church, as a body of believers, as a church who the Lord uses to carry His invitation. This final point, I want us to consider three topics of how to be faithful servants who fulfill the command that the Lord gives us. First, the calling that the Lord gives us is an urgent invitation. The master commands us as servants to go out quickly. Go out quickly. You see, if they must respond now, we must likewise go out now, quickly. Haste, the day is coming. The day of the Lord is near. The day of the Lord is at hand. We must go out quickly. So many times the churches. Slower, we are slow to share the gospel, to preach the good news of the gospel. But you see, we do not know when that day will be. 
and maybe those people will not find a tomorrow for them. So if they reject this, if they reject the gospel message, let it be because they chose to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Let it be because of the, their own hearts and not because we neglected to bring the invitation. The Master is commissioning us today as God's people to bring His invitation. It is also an act of labor to go out into the highways and hedges. It takes effort to go into these far places, hard places to, to go in. It takes effort. That is why Jesus called laborers to His harvest. It takes effort. It's going to take our sweat, our tears. It's going to take all of us. But even so, we must go because He's commanding us to go. It's not just a matter of urgency regarding the time, but also regarding, regarding the seriousness of the message. It is a matter of life and death. Those who have to be excused found no tomorrow. Notice how the master is commanding the servant. Notice how all imperatives of this, parables, of this parable are given to the servant. Go out, bring in, compel them. These are all imperatives that his church must fulfill, that we must fulfill as believers in our lives. We must do this. We must go out. We must bring them. We must compel them. Compel them with all of our being to come. To come. We must do so because they do not know who they are neglecting. They do not know the host. They do not know the king. That is why they are neglecting. And that is why we must go and preach the gospel to every creature. They must be urged. Because the feast is not delaying, and the king is already set at the throne, as we saw this morning, from where he will come to judge. So we must go and compel them to come in. Second, we must be faithful servants by speaking of which we ourselves have experienced. As Christ said to Nicodemus in John 3:11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. See, the only way that we can accomplish this is if we ourselves, we ourselves have tasted of this banquet, is if we ourselves have come in. Notice how the master is not telling, compel them to go in. He's not saying to the servant, compel them to go in there. No, he's telling, compel them to come in. To come where you yourself already stand. So if we are going to be faithful servants, we must have tasted of this reality. It's going to take all of our being. It's going to take our sweat, our tears, our prayers. So we must have tasted. We must have tasted of the heavenly reality. We must have tasted of the bread of life, of the light of the world. 
if we are going to compel others to come in. Just as the spies in the Old Testament that said, we came to the land, to the land which, to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruits. This is our job. Just like the spies in the Old Testament who went to spy the land. Yes, it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. We come to the world and we show, yes, it flows with milk and honey. I have tasted here. This is the fruit of it. We must have tasted this reality if we are going to be compelling servants. And we must have experience because it will involve all of our being. So many times it can be discouraged. It's hard sometimes. It is discouraged. As we saw this morning, the world mocks us, oppresses us. Sometimes we are going to spend nights praying for family members, dear friends that we so love, but still are walking away from the Lord. But even so, we must do. We must have tasted this reality and unceasingly pray for them. Storm the mercy seat and pray to the Lord for their souls. As Spurgeon says, when words fail us, we can give tears. For words and tears are the arms with which gospel ministers compel men to come in. See, if they do not pray for themselves, we must pray for them. If they do not cry for them, for their own souls, we must cry for them. We must care for their souls if they don't do it for themselves. If if they are not worried, we must be. If they give excuses, even so, we must be compelling servants. And third... We are under His authority and His dependence. The truth is that by, our, by ourselves, we can never compel any man to come in. By ourselves, by our, our own abilities, by our own power, we can never compel any man to come in. We can never convince anyone to come in. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that goes before us. That sinners are compelled to come in. They are going to give us excuses. They are going to shut their doors in our faces. They are going to reject us. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, some of them will hear. And some of them will be compelled to come in. If it was by our own abilities, there would be no hope. We could never do. We are sinners. We are jars of clay. But it is by His power and His authority that we carry that sinners are compelled to come in. If we believe in the Holy Spirit, if we believe in the same God, yesterday, today, and forever, sinners will be compelled to come in. It is His authority that we carry. It's not our authority. It's not my banquet. It's not your banquet. It is His banquet. And because of that, we carry His authority to call sinners to come in. 
He is the one who, who sends us until all rooms are taken. Verse 22 says that, 23, the master say, go out to, into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. What a good news that is, that the host of the house is anxious to see his house filled. You see, we don't need to, to stretch God's arm, to fight him, to convince him to save sinners. No, he's willing, he's anxious to see his house filled. And you see, there's not going to be empty seats in heaven either. There's not going to be empty chairs in heaven. All those to whom the, Lord, the Holy Spirit called will be compelled and will come in. All those for whom Jesus Christ died on that cross will hear His voice and will come to Him. There's not going to be empty seats in heaven. The host will see His house full. What a good news. What a comfort that is for His church. As we bring the message, we can rest. We can rest assured that one day, if not in this life, in the life to come, we will see His house filled. We will see His house filled. So go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What a wonderful message we carry. Conclusion, I would like to give three applications for these three different audiences that we heard. First, it demands us to repent. This parable calls us for the terrible danger of missing the call of the gospel of missing the invitation, of not hearing the voice of the king. This passage is telling us, repent, repent, repent while there is time, because one day will be too late and too far to come to him. Repent, repent. The burning anger of the king will destroy those who reject the gospel. So repent and come to him while there is time. Second, it demands us to come. It demands us to come regardless of our condition or despise our limitation. The gospel call demands us to come. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. Believe in this promise. You see, this is not a maybe gospel. He doesn't say, come to me. All you are heavy laden, and maybe, just maybe, I will give you rest. He's promising, come, and I will give you rest. We don't preach a maybe gospel, as a professor would say. We preach a sure gospel, come, and I will give you rest. This is the power of the message that we carry. And third, we are enabled by the king to go out and send his invitation. It is a gospel that sent us, sinners, to go out into the highways and hedges and compel other sinners like you and me to come in 
What a mysterious gospel, isn't it? He could have used angels. He could have used so many other things, glorious creatures, but he chose to use sinners like you and me. He chose to use jars of clay to carry the most glorious treasure of all to compel sinners to come in. So go out, preach the gospel to every creature, for he's anxious to see his house through. You see, this is also a powerful tool to promote hospitality in the church. You see how the Lord Jesus, if the Lord Jesus himself opened his house for sinners like you and me, blind people, lame people, poor people like you and me, if he opened his house for us, how much more we should do for our equals. The church should be a place marked by hospitality. The church should be a place known by its hospitality. Because we know what the King has done for us. This should promote hospitality in all of us. This is an urgent message that no man can enter the kingdom without the invitation of the King. And all those who stayed outside are bringing condemnation upon themselves and will face the anger of the Master. Remember that those who are outside will not partake of the gospel and therefore condemning themselves, and that this invitation is demanding a response now. So come, for there is no hope by staying outside, and there is no condemnation by coming inside to the Master. Amen. Let us pray to the Master of the house and ask for His blessing. O Lord our God, How wonderful this is, Lord. How majestic and glorious and wonderful and overwhelming the beauty of the gospel is, Lord. Thy kingdom is so glorious, Lord. And even so, you have invited sinners to come. Even being this glorious and glorious king, Lord, you have invited people who could offer nothing in return to come to you. So, O Lord, prepare us for the day that we will meet our King in the heavens. Enable us to come to you. May the Holy Spirit open our our eyes and our hearts to come. May the Holy Spirit change those who are hearing this message perhaps even tonight, and have not yet tasted of this reality. And, O Lord, for those who have already tasted, may this message enable us to be powerful and compelling servants to carry Thy word, Lord. And, O Lord, we long so much for the day that we will eat this supper with our King and Savior in the heavens. So prepare us, Lord, for that day. And come, Lord. Come to rescue thy church, Lord. And bring us to meet our Savior. And that is in his name, in the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
Let us now sing from My Jesus, I Love Thee. The celebration number 79, stanzas 1 to 4. 364, thank you. <laughs> 